0: Hello and welcome to Project Footballer episode 14. Today we are with Rob Ursell. Rob, you are the best player that never played in the Premier League. Is that right? The wizard. Is that what you're known as on the streets?
1: I have been referred to as the wizard. I don't know about the best player.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, like, yeah. You know that term of like, oh, the streets will never forget. (laughs) <laughs> the, the the streets will never forget Rob Earle. That's for sure. That's for sure. Yeah, like yeah, um, un- unbelievable player. Um, yeah, I mean, it would be good to get into um, yeah, why maybe it didn't happen, viewers. You, you know, playing in the Premier League, although you know you did um play as a you know you played for AFC Wimbledon. Yeah, he's an AFC yeah, Wimbledon legend.
1: In non-league for AFC Wimbledon. Played non-league only in England, and then I went abroad and played futsal full time. Uh, so I did. I did play some professional football, but um, yeah, obviously nowhere near Premier League level or anything like that.
0: But but um, you played England futsal.
1: Yeah, played for England in futsal, uh, six aside, and beach soccer, which was a bit of a disaster. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I think in this episode, um, one of the big things we're going to cover and delve into is is futsal, but I think just so much more than that uh, because yeah. Ursel is someone that both Marcelo and myself have learned a lot from over the years. You've had a huge influence on us um, and a lot of other people. So, uh, yeah, we're really, really excited about this episode. Um, Right. Let's get into it, though. You know, yeah, let's try and delve into why you didn't make it as a Premier League footballer. (laughs) Uh, This is a really difficult
1: question to be asked. Uh, You don't want to come across... Like you feel like you were you were owed more than you got or anything like that. Um and I don't I don't think about I should have played at this level or that level. I do I'm very aware that the level of football I played in England uh probably didn't match my talent with the ball. But I also am aware that there were loads of things that I could have done to progress further up the ladder. Um and there are also things Uh, that I didn't have that stopped me going as high as my technical level probably um, dictated that I should. Uh, So obviously, physicality, strength and speed were two things that I didn't have um, great amounts of then. Mm. And it's it's funny because the game was far less physically demanding then at, at the top level than it is now. But there was still like such a bigger emphasis then especially on size than than what there is now i would say uh, like size was a big deal in terms of being at, being at a club when i was young yeah whereas although speed still is i wouldn't say size is as big of an issue now
0: so what what else though like um for parents what they can learn from your journey um i would say,
1: difficult my my parents didn't So I suppose from my journey, my parents didn't take as keen an interest in, like I loved football from a really young age, but they never pushed me to do it. And I'm not saying they were, uh, uh, there's no blame for them or anything. There's no blame. But parents that did push their children that I knew would afford them more opportunity. Now, obviously there's there's a caveat to that in that some clubs now, parents, there's, plenty of parents that are probably over pushy which you both would have encountered um and clubs will probably kind of shy away from that that type of parent to a certain extent Mm. if everything's equal and one parent's slightly difficult to deal with and one parent's uh very like approachable and understanding and everything that that could make the difference in their kid being there or not Mm. but there is a level of you want you want your if you're a kid you want your parent to help you get as many good opportunities as you as you can. I, I probably didn't have that, but that's no blame to my parents at all. I'm just saying that that is something that can help a kid progress is the chances that they get from their parents.
0: And maybe like some of this stuff like worked for you because you know you have this amazing like creativity on the pitch and you're this like Mercurial talent. Um and probably some of that stuff comes into your own personality as well but then maybe if you are, you know, gonna be like super candid and honest and reflective of yourself, you might say that you're not all, or in the past you haven't been as super disciplined necessarily. Yeah,
1: 100%. Okay, like okay, yeah. I would say that might be the, the probably the biggest factor in there being like, such a ceiling, a low ceiling on what I, what I could do in English football at the time. It's because I didn't eat right. Um, didn't probably train as hard as I should have, things like that. I wasn't, I wasn't as professional before being a professional as I needed to be yeah. to become a professional, basically. Okay. okay. Well, anyway, I wasn't anywhere near, near it,
2: to be honest. This is really good, good advice for parents. I wanted to ask, where do you think you developed your football IQ for all, everyone that knows Rob Ursel knows, you know, you've got an in, unbelievable football IQ, great game intelligence where do you feel you developed that side of your game <laughs> and how uh, a lot later
1: than i could use it basically like um i would say mid 20s when i went to cyprus uh and when i came back here and was coached by spanish coaches and um foreign coaches in in the english national team uh that was when i started thinking i'm starting to understand things about the game like really you sh- i think you should be learning What I learned at 28, 29, 30, you should be learning that when you're 13, 14, 15, I think, rather than, like, I feel like all the knowledge that I've had as a player has been kind of wasted because I'd already, uh, I was already at an age where there was nowhere really to go up for me. Like, no one's going to, when you're 28, you're not going to go anywhere, are you? Mm. So, Mm. yeah, I mean, I don't think I was given probably... I didn't work with any coach that I really learned a lot of in England. Not until I went to Cyprus and then came back to England and there were Spanish futsal, futsal coaches. I started appreciating a lot more about like team play, like the whole. And if like you know now when I play, I play almost like like I'm coaching the team when I'm playing. Yeah. Whereas before I was very individualistic and I relied on my own my own ability. I think when I went to Cyprus. So you you know me You've only known me since I came back from Cyprus, both of you. Uh, when I went there, I was told by some of the players, uh, you only play with your talent. You don't understand the game. So I had to learn it out there. And when I came back, I was a completely different player.
2: Very interesting. And it's come, you know, in the in previous podcasts where we've questioned where, whether the coaching in England is good enough to be able to create these players that, you know, we've been talking about them. The creative players that can control games. Do you think maybe perhaps that's why you didn't develop it early enough?
1: Yeah, you just said two different types of players there. You said crea- oh, uh, controlling games cr- and con- creative. Yeah, yeah, completely different things. So okay. England are producing a lot of creative players now, but not the ones not controlling, that
2: controlling game. Okay, well,
1: they're miles off in terms of um, the Euros. Yeah, as an example, uh, Italy England in the semi-final. Spain. Uh, sorry, Italy Spain in the semi-final. Italy couldn't touch the ball. They had Jorginho, who's a controlling midfielder. Verratti, really good controlling midfielder. But Spain just have better controlling midfielders. Uh, Spain completely dominated the game, deserved to win. They didn't happen to win. That happens in football. Football, You're the better team and you don't win. The Sunday after was the Italy-England game. So Italy had been completely dominated. Everyone's seen it. And then Italy go and completely do the same thing to England. England couldn't maintain possession of the ball, couldn't win it back quickly. And that's because, for me, mostly of a lack of controlling players, which, which England have in midfield, I think. We, we don't have enough of we it. We have a lack of it. Right. We, we're not producing a uh, Verratti or Jorginho, a Pedri, a Buschgetts, a Rodri,
0: um, Iniesta, Xavi types, to go back a few years. Well, I want to bring it into futsal now because I think there's a lot of, like, misconceptions around futsal. Um, Your journey, um, not necessarily like making it into pro football, took you into futsal. That's right? So uh, so at Cyprus, that's what you ended up playing, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So can you describe to parents that don't know, like, what is futsal? Uh, So futsal,
1: to me, is... It's an amazing sport on its own. Like it's really enjoyable to play. But if you're thinking about it, so parents will be thinking about it, not as a pathway because there's no real money in football. There's no glory or whatever uh, in futsal, sorry. Um, They'll be thinking of it more as a development tool. Yeah. So how how does it develop players? I would say it forces them to, to act quicker, to think quicker and act quicker. Because the ball moves a lot quicker on the, um, on the indoor surface, um, the spaces are smaller, so you're surrounded quicker by by players that are pressing you. It's just, it's just it just puts you in situations that like, quicker than you than you're forced to in football. And for me, I think Marcelo said the same to me when you go to play football after you've played futsal, it feels like you've got all day to make your decisions. It becomes really easy to make your decisions in football.
0: So what age would you advise that parents start getting their child into futsal?
1: I mean, as early as possible, as early as they're happy, they're enjoying playing football.
0: One years old? <laughs> no. No, 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 because this is like on Project Footballer, we are having parents from like one years old, two years old who are like reaching out to us and, you know, I think we've got to like cater for, you know, what, when does like the teaching football almost start? even like whether they're realising it or not. But parents are like trying to like work out what is my programme at two years old, four years old, 10 years old, you know. Uh, I think it is getting a lot earlier now, isn't it? Let's say
1: um, when I came back from Cyprus was 2014. So I came and did a bit of coaching for for We Make Footballers with you. Yeah. And I would say the youngest kids were like probably five. You might have a four-year-old. I think that's changed if I'm right to you will have quite a few four year olds in a class now hmm. um so it is naturally going to get a younger age where kids are coming into it as an average and and that's fine i think i think that's that's great for them but um when you're talking about coaching futsal or whatever i think that that's probably a couple of years down the line they can still play futsal when they're four just like they can play football but it's more about ball manipulation in those in those first couple of years than yeah. than any any form of like team decision making or anything like that. That's what I hoped
0: you'd say, <laughs> But Marce, um, do you want to maybe expand on that a bit? Because obviously you run your, we make footballers business, um, and, and you also, are, you know, you've won the Futsal FA Cup um yeah, with have yeah. yeah. I masterminded it. <laughs> As play I take all the credit, like give Marcelo some credit. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Um, um no, like Rob said, um I got I got into playing futsal through Rob. Um and it's from the start it was very enjoyable, difficult at times to understand some concepts but I didn't give you any minutes in that first. I know, know. I That's... know. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, you had I had to learn the hard way, I guess. Uh, at least you got into the team. <laughs> <laughs> um but, you know, yeah, it was really good fun, um, really interesting. Some of the concepts in terms of the tactics and team um, probably learned how to defend properly uh, when playing futsal, how to press uh, with within intensity and, and blocking off angles. So, yeah, it really helped that side of the game. These weren't things that you learned at Old Eyes growing up. It, it, no, I didn't learn it there. No, no, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't learn at, at my grassroots. It well,
0: was... The next
1: generation of old Isleworthians can surely now.
0: Yeah? You're, I mean, I mean, actually, we will stick on this because actually, this could be really relevant for a lot of other grassroots teams out there. But think back to your old Isleworthians. Think the comparisons of what you're talking about there about cutting off passing lines, learning how to defend properly, all this stuff that you, what you're learning at sort of 26 years old or something. Yeah. But then your education that hopefully you, you wish you'd got at, let's say, Old I Think back under 13s, under 14s, when I was that like, watching you you guys play at that point. Yeah, it would have been invaluable. Like, but now you, you were playing in a 3 4 And I remember you had very, very athletic defenders, athletic top three. Where was, where was your coach playing you? I was playing in a centre mid, uh, of the,
2: in free and midfield. And it was it was honestly just about getting the ball and just kicking it over the defenders and <laughs> get the really fast
0: strikers attacking players to get on, on the end of it, really. That was it. So they didn't ask you to... They didn't get the wide players, to get our wide crate space into the middle, ask you to drop in and come and receive it? No, it was sort of just left to our own...
2: To our own to play our game, really. we were We were individually good players anyway. But, I mean, if we were... To have been taught how to play in an actual team, yeah, we I reckon we would have done even even better than than we did, no, and okay. developed
0: really well. No, I remember, yeah, you won the Manchester Cup, you won county cups, like you were a very effective team. But like you, like a lot of people would describe you, Marcelo, um, and and Rob, that you know. But you're a super talented player. Like everyone would say, oh, why didn't Marcelo make it? You've had people say that to you. Yeah, but I don't know, ultimately probably just wasn't good enough uh, and that's okay.
1: That's what I should have said when you asked me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, what, what I'm getting into is that like England, and we're going to come into this more as well as when I get into this, but um, England has a lack of th- these controlling midfielders um, and we still do now. You know, if we look at who we got, like Rice, Henderson, Kevin Phillips.
1: Not good enough for me, Like nowhere near it. Don't play on the half turn enough i I would take Henderson out because he grew up in a more limited like age for English football and he has shown in the Liverpool team that he can be part of a team that completely dominates like top teams but I would say like rice and Phillips are a big part of the reason why England got dominated in against any like top team that they kind of play against they get dominated for possession you said to me. Uh, Germany had 51% possession. Germany are not particularly possession-based team themselves, but they still had slightly more of the ball, even though they're probably in like, a really difficult time for their national team at the moment. I know England won the game and it, it is about winning, but statistics over a, a load of years will show you that the best way to win and sustainable way to win is to, have, to dominate more of the ball. And there's, there's, there's never a team, you could say maybe Everton last week, they they went into it against Liverpool wanting to not have the ball because they didn't want to lose it in dangerous areas and concede that way. Mm. Okay, But there's very rarely a team that goes into a game wanting to have less possession. That's not their aim. Mourinho maybe is like bucks that trend a little bit. But generally, you want to have the ball. And the reason you can't get it is because your team's not as good as the other team. Mm. And then you're trying to win even though you're not as good as the other team, which is kind of what England are doing at the moment. They're trying to win without being as good as the other teams rather than trying to build a team that's better than the other teams,
0: I think. And and we link it back into our culture um, that we've got our grassroots level that we've just described there with like Marcelo and um, for yourself as well. Um, and and then this is probably still happening now, even though it's getting a little bit better, people are still trying to play a bit more sort of football on the ground and well, play the
1: That's what football is now, right?
0: You, you, People are seeing it with Pep Guardiola doing it in Liverpool every week.
1: Not just that. Like when um, I think Brendan Rodgers brought Swansea up. Oh yeah. Um, that was, it was quite uncommon at the time for teams to pass out the way they did. It's not now. Everyone uh, does that. Yeah. That was only 10 years ago. Okay. So t- even as recent as 10 years ago, it was really uncommon in, in England in the top league for teams to pass like that. And everyone was like calling them Swans alone or whatever. They <laughs> like, Every team does that now, and yeah. when they don't, like Burnley for example, or someone like that, it, it's an outlier. It stands out, and it, it's really obvious when teams
0: don't do that. So, isn't that starting to help midfielders? And aren't we, shouldn't we start to see now like a lot better English players as a result?
1: We are seeing better players, like
0: already. Yeah, but
1: I would say the players that we produce are massively weighted towards one v one, which it's obvious if you go into an academy, it's obvious that that is going to be what's produced because everyone that they sign, almost everyone, I'd say 90% are signed because they're good 1v1. Right? That is what academies in this country are looking for. Uh, and they're, they're neglecting probably the most basic things. We brought, well, we didn't bring him, but there was a a guy from Spain, uh, Guy, remember? He came over... Um, just to study or something and it, oh no because his girlfriend was was moving to England so he moved with her and he wanted to play futsal here so he was contacting some futsal teams in the end he signed for us with me and Marcelo and he was like saying to me I, just, I can't believe like what these kids what these kids are doing they're like they want to do all these like unusual turns like un unrealistic turns and skills and stuff like that but they don't want to receive and pass the ball they don't want to learn that at a young age which is like what you need to know first. And this was not a criticism of what Marcelo was doing because he knows Marcelo and he's playing with him. He knows what, how Marcelo thinks about the game. Yeah, This was more a criticism of the culture in England compared to what it is in Spain. Mm. Um, we went, Remember, we went to Betis? Yep. What a word. We played, so we played Betis' first team, who were obviously way too good for us in futsal. But then we played the under-17s as well. Oh, dear. It was <laughs> horrible. Even worse. It was horrible. They beat us 3-0, but it was really hard to see the ball. And we, okay. were, we were the second best futsal team, men's futsal team in England at the time. Okay. And it was horrible, honestly. They, the, the depth of people that under, understand how to move, how to control and how to pass in Spain, is, it's not comparable to England. Really? It's not comparable. It's, it's crazy. They were at under 17 second division futsal
0: team but the fa so sorry the the academies are only following what the fa say mars what did the fa um, advise at this at the younger ages Yeah, in the
2: foundation phase it's it's me and my ball um being comfortable with the ball in in all situations and being having that freedom to express themselves and use skills and ways to to solve problems and it's very much does that go on for too long <laughs> <laughs> what is it so it's they say I think it goes on for too long. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well when the
0: when do they start introducing anything resembling Well like that's coaching? the foundation
2: phase so then you're looking at what
0: 12 up then it starts to change. I I think that's harsh. I think under 9s under 9s they will start to um be more with like team play I think and a little bit of um tactical work maybe. But yeah, it's probably pretty loose. It's, it's, there's not a huge emphasis on it, I don't think.
1: Oh, the emphasis is, is so weighted towards being good 1v1. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, I did a little bit at a development centre when I came back from Cyprus. and Yeah. Like, people would like, see a kid do a rainbow flick over someone's head. People would say, oh, did you see that? But like, who's ever done a rainbow flick in football? <laughs> like, and don't get me wrong, when you see it, wow, that's amazing that kid did that. <laughs> but Neymar can do that. He's probably done it twice in his life like in a professional football match. It's more important, like miles more important that they understand how to control the ball, how to pass it, how to move, how to scan. These are how you, how Liverpool, how City dominate teams. Like these things. It's not, it's not these, these elaborate tricks or whatever. And this is ironic me saying this because this is what I was. I I was someone who, who, grew up who lived just doing a load of tricks and <laughs> trying funny things and like making it kind of when i was at wimbledon for example the fans always used to say to me that they they really enjoyed watching me play because i was an entertainer but yeah it's not that kind of stuff is not sustainable compared when you play against a man city or a liverpool or someone like that it's not sustainable to to have just players who are really good with the ball and don't know anything else to do they can 't get on the ball they don't have an option if you 've got a team who don't know how to move you can't get on the ball and then when you do you don't have anyone available to to receive the ball
0: mm. why I reckon's happened is that there was this period of time where England just weren't winning anything and then there was this stuff said continuously that the South Americans are better on the ball. The Europe, the other con- countries in Europe, are more comfortable on the ball. There was this pushed with like English players, loads, and so then the FA, looking at like what German Germany did with their overhaul of their academy, they said, right, from now on, we're just going to get comfortable on the ball. And then I think there has been a certain amount of success that's yeah. happened. Like you've even said, England is better.
1: I think England have got maybe with France, maybe France is better. But I think England have got the best depth in the world in terms of their attacking players like Sancho, Saka, uh, Grealish, Foden, Kane, Sterling. It's ridiculous. Like I've never seen this in an England team. They can all, apart from Kane who's a different type of player, they can all beat players 1v1, they can all play a final pass, they can score themselves Um, but that has come A, at the expense of of the controlling type of player there's no real desire to produce that type of player and it. And it's, it shows. And also what, what I think people are, are, not, are not really factoring into the fact that they're so happy about England getting to the semi-finals and the final in the last two tournaments is there's so much more money in the English game than anywhere else in the world now. So is it really a, a massive surprise that like, I, I don't think it, like we're definitely not overachieving, by getting to a final and a semi-finals for the money that is being pumped into producing players in our country,
0: yeah.
2: Like it's... So the emphasis should be on creating a culture, creating a, a way of playing um, that's going to be sustainable to get success in the in the long run.
1: Yeah, I'm. Not <laughs> yeah, I would. I'm not so fussed about the England team. I, I prefer Spain myself, but. Um, <laughs> He was born in Spain. I was born in I was, was born, in Spain. Spain. born in Spain.
0: All right, all right. I fine. was born in Spain. All
1: right. But um, where was I? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I do think we need to start at a, at a younger age and going more in depth into team play, receiving the ball, moving, uh, pressing, things like that, rather than just encouraging the skill. And I think this... Um, Oh, let them let them make their own mistakes and learn from them and stuff. I'm not saying there's no value in that, but I, th- I think it's re- really overplayed. I think it's a little bit because we're not sure how to
0: how to do something different.
1: We're not sure how to correct it.
0: So it just is like, oh, just let the game be the teacher.
1: Yeah, uh, and I'm not saying there's no value in letting kids make their own mistakes and learn from them. There is, but. I do think you need to, you need to tell them when they're going wrong and they're not recognising it. And I, I think from my own experiences, that's neglected a little bit in this country.
0: Again, I'm thinking back to why we are in the situation that we're in, and I know that in the past, again, at like grassroots level. You know, let's say Old Eyeworthians with like Marcelo's team winning Manchester tournaments, winning County Cups, whatever that is. Like now that becomes like a lot of like prestige for that coach. But then it, the end result was like, no, you know, not enough good players coming through to England. So then it's like, oh, um, we've been focusing too much on the team. There's been these winning teams where everyone knows their job. But as soon as you take that player out the team, then they can't go in at trial and They're not a good individual in themselves.
1: Yeah, I hear that. But you can't... Look at Man United. You can't just play with a team of individuals anymore. You need... Like, let's say you produce a really good individual and he doesn't have any understanding of, like, team structure or whatever. You're going to get a Man United type of situation where players are kind of all doing their own thing. There's no top team and it's gonna it's gonna go more this way than the other way now there's all the top teams are playing to a way more rigid structure both in and out of possession than they would have done 20 years ago Hmm. like i I don't think it's enough to just have ability on the ball but not have a grounding in in the actual game how to play the actual game
0: no, no, I, I see it. I Like, I, I have real fears about this as well, with what you're describing. I just well, wanted yeah, to say,
1: yeah. when you say about the situation we're in, like, that makes it sound like we're saying England's in a terrible situation. I don't believe that. I don't think either of you two do. England's in the best situation I've known it to be in, in terms of producing players. But we're not going to win the World Cup. Could win the World Cup. Or well, you think we're going to win this? I don't think World we will. No. Like, I think... Spain and France. Spain are a miles better team. Spain have their own weaknesses, but they're a miles better football team. Um, France probably have are probably better at doing what England do than England, where they rely on their individual players. They counter attack. They're, They're probably better, slightly better, but it's not. It's not miles away. There's not many other teams that you'd say England should be too worried about. I wouldn't say like this is the best relative situation that I've ever known England be in. And producing uh, these one v one players, the level of one v one players, and the depth is something that I wouldn't have expected twenty years ago. Okay. Like it's a really good situation, but there's there's fundamental flaws with it. Yeah, because we're we're over overly focused on that. We're overly focused on that one type of player.
2: And it goes back. Does it go back to what we were saying before? Where is the coaching good enough in England to produce those types of players? It's my own
1: experience is I've never had a British coach that <laughs> that I've really I'm talking about in men's football, so or men's futsal. I've never learnt hardly anything from an English coach. So
0: You said you said earlier that there's never been an English manager win the Premier League.
1: Yeah, never been an English manager premier, win the Premier League. Take it even further, the futsal, FA Cup and and league, apart from me,
2: never been <laughs> in English. You get that in, didn't you? I, yeah, yeah. I was, I, I never been it, an English manager, all, yeah, won yeah. any of that,
1: I don't think, still. But, <laughs> 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 but no, I mean, I, I've gotten really well with some of my managers in non-league, but I wouldn't say I learned anything technical or tactical from anyone until I played for foreign coaches.
0: Because if the knowledge isn't there... and I, yeah, my theory is that at those younger ages, yeah, ball manipulation and ball mastery is, like, so important because it's, like, all the the muscle memory, all those habits are formed in those young ages at that. But then, like you say, at, the, at a certain point, now we've got to really, like, focus on, yeah, game understanding and football IQ. And I think that we can't completely neglect it. Even at six years old, seven years old, eight years old, to just have it completely off the syllabus and and enough not um, introduced at all, it's it's almost like um, you, you, you people look at you really strangely if you start bringing in. I, I think like decision making. Do, do you think this at a, at a young age, like football tactics at like under sevens? You're like, what are you doing? You should be just like focusing on ball work at this age. But if the kids. Of, like they've done hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of ball work. Well, now we can start to work on your football understanding.
1: Look, it's, it's definitely being introduced too late with too little emphasis on it. Yeah, the proof is in the pudding. Yeah, there is no no bush gets in England. There's no uh, Rodri even. Like there's no there's no Jorginho even. Like I know people uh, criticize Jorginho because of his lack of pace, but there's a reason why his teams do well, like you can't, you can't do well and dictate possession and stuff like that at the level that he does it and win trophies without being very good at what he does. He is excellent at understanding the the game, uh, opening an an angle for a pass for his teammate, seeing the next pass and the pass after that, things like that, that let's say um, one of the English wingers, Callum Hudson-Odoi, for example, you couldn't stick him in central midfield and ask him to do that. And there's loads of similar players to Callum Hudson-Odoi that we're producing loads in England at the moment. Really good ones. Don't get me wrong. Elise been unbelievable this season. Really good player. But um, yeah, where, where is one English player that understands the, the game from midfield and can control it like Jorginho? There isn't. What about centre backs? Yeah, we're short there as well. And I care less about the centre backs because they're, they're less um, uh, enjoyable for me to watch. I love watching these, these uh, controlling midfielders, but they're just as important in your build up because who's going to get the ball to the six? The, the keeper and the, the centre backs have to progress the ball to the next, to, through the first line to, to the six. And yeah, we don't, stones aside, we probably don't have that either.
0: You like Stones? Stones are really good. Okay,
1: Gomez not bad either. Obviously, he's he's not playing much at Liverpool at the moment. But another good player who who can who can take the ball under pressure, who can progress with with a dribble or a pass. But two uh, is not great depth. Gomez has hardly been fit, um, and probably wouldn't be first choice anyway. Um, two good. Uh, centre-backs who can play under pressure is not great depth for a country with the type of resources we have. Uh, it's it's poor. Yeah, and I want to drill into like why that happens. There's such a uh, emphasis on 1v1 that we're not producing the same level of players in the other roles. So like the wide areas, yes, all day. Um, there's going to be less nines, less central midfielders and less uh, centre-backs of a high level produced with with the method of production that we're currently going with mm. 1v1 is essentially in wide areas like you want 1v1 you don't really your centre backs are not going to go 1v1 very often your strikers don't go 1v1 often midfielders to a certain extent some can but it's it's, it's not it's not what you what you what a top manager would say i want a 1v1 player in my central midfield mm. that's not the the primary requisite let's say because tiago for example can beat a player 1v1 but if that's all he could do, he wouldn't be playing central
0: midfield. Mm. Maybe like our success, our perceived success is not helping England because yeah, you've touched on it there. You've said, well, we're we're still in the best place we've ever been, but we're then looking ahead and you don't think that we're going to win a world cup in the the Christmas. I don't think it's going to happen. You don't either. I don't think the England. No, look, I think we could win it. We're one
1: of, Five or six teams that could win it. We okay. can't be the best team in it, though.
0: Like, we can't. We're not going to be the best team in the world. No. Okay. But, like, if we're aspiring for that, we want to be the best team. Because that is, like, within reach. Yeah. Um. But it's, like, we've got to identify that there is a problem first. And, like, right now, the academies are profit-making academies, producing these 1v1 players that... To sell. So then they can go and buy... 60 million
1: Jorginho
2: or 60 million yeah, Rodri. I, I don't... Yeah, it's difficult for me to understand. And I, I've, so, I've had these conversations. It's easier. Yeah. It's easier to coach.
1: Uh, oh, yeah, make your own decisions and be a 1v1 one, one one player. Um, from what I gather, the the coaching courses in, um, in Spain have a lot more hours in them. Really? Yeah. I mean, I don't... I haven't looked into it that much, but that's what that's what I, that's what I've, what I hear. Um, I think the content's probably better. Uh, I think I was um, I was signed up to do like my level two foot sale or something, and before I went, they they messaged me saying the FA messaged me saying uh, you haven't done your level one, so you can't go on that. But like level two would have been kind of farcical for me anyway. Like considering the people that write in the course have nothing like the experience in futsal that I have like mm. nowhere near me in futsal, like in England.
2: Yeah. So and even that is, I think it's, it's like two days, two or three days,
1: but, but just to, to make sure they got their money because I did, I, I like wrote this in an email. I said, like, like I've, I've got far more experience in futsal than, than I don't, the level one is pointless. I don't really have time to do it at the moment. And I'm already booked on this, but no, they wouldn't allow me to do it because they want to make their money off, off running these, these pointless courses. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like it really puts me off any like former coach learning through DFA. the FA. That I did, I did level two like twenty years ago, and the people they were passing. <laughs> I don't want this to sound xenophobic or anything, but they, they passed a guy who who couldn't speak English. So how is he passing his, his uh? How is he? Passing his practical part of the session. (laughs) (laughs) How? We're going to edit this out. (laughs) Play it all. I mean, listen. How can he communicate with kids that can only speak in English if he can't speak English? Yeah. Right. It was... And he passes the course. I could understand him being on the course and them saying, we need you to do a little bit more to... He passed that course.
0: <laughs> Why has it angered you so much? So <laughs> bizarre. Yeah, no, no. no, because he, he he could coach Mason. Yeah, no, it's true. that
2: like, these are the if, you if you out. weren't if you weren't
1: connected with football already, and your kid was about to go, and you didn't really know much about it, but your kid had talent, for example, you could get this guy. And how's he going to? Obviously, if you speak to him and you see him coach, then but still i mean you could get your kid coached by this kid this guy and if you know nothing about it you could put your trust in him and you're being led basically mm-hmm. by the fa just trying to pass as many people as possible which is what which is the experience i had with fa learning
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think like like i was just sort of saying though i think that the this perceived success is yet yeah, is like not helping i don't think we're gonna see change i think we're gonna go along because academies are their their remit is to make profit like david levy daniel levy from tottenham he'll literally almost like just look and say who how much money have we made this year off the balance sheet off yeah. of it and is it co- costing us money the academy brentford, brentford well they yeah, close down yeah, the, yeah they, they, they either close them good. down yeah or if they're not making money and then you know the other academies will say yeah this is making really good stuff and then they're not necessarily looking into how what type of players are being produced um yeah, because so that's really- not really an interest it's just the balance sheet yeah. and, and and then that's happening england getting into final semi-final maybe we'll get into another semi-final this time This will just drag on and on and on for maybe like decades. And then this is what we have to accept for English football.
1: Yeah, I mean, the FA are the ones who could uh, set the precedent. The clubs, you you can't really expect... Every club is a business that's looking out for itself. It's not looking out for the good of, of football and English young footballers. That's not its... Inconsequential for them. The FA, though, should be doing this. Like they should put some measures in place, probably with coaches, coaches development, coaching development. Um, like I said, the, the learning through the FA, just, no, just, from my experience, is miles off it.
0: Yeah, I don't think that will happen. I think you have to rely on like business. But one bit ray of hope. Um, but hold on, hold on. Come on, you don't think that happened? They who writes the coaching courses that every coach
1: in every academy. In this country, has to go through. Yeah, it's the FA. Yeah, so they are they're, respons- they're not responsible for the direction of the academy, but they're responsible for uh, what the coaches think about football and how to coach football.
0: They are, but if they're perceived to be, they want to keep their jobs. So, like, if if England must be a top of the food chain somewhere. Yeah, but like, there's not enough like overhaul where it was so bad with like Steve McLaren, and then you now got people like writing on the street saying this is terrible. Like, we're not even qualifying for Euro Euros, so that is when change started to happen. But like, if you've got mediocrity at semi-finals and whatever, and like, even final, final finals is perceived success, like, then we're gonna carry on like this for a long time. Yeah. There's- there's no reason for the FA to no exactly exactly yeah. So then they'll all stay it, in their jobs. It seems like they're doing well, basically. Exactly. Whereas I would I would argue, at best, they're achieving
1: what they should. Based on I think I, th- I think they're underachieving still. Final yeah. and semi-finals, but getting bossed when it comes to playing anyone good, I think is underachieving for the level of of resource we have. It's there's no one no one in the world close to our resources at this moment because the Premier League is such a amazing product, which it is,
2: we have the most money. And I'm sure the FA or you know, the coaches in Southgate they realize that's probably the missing part to England, you know, the No, do you don't think so?
1: I don't think Southgate does. No?
2: no. I've I've had these convers you know, heard these conversations whether it's like on talk sport and and people will understand, look, we don't have enough of this, this and this but do you still not think the FA will change that and, and, you know, will want to produce more of these types of players and therefore make a few changes to the syllabus? No, like what you said, like the English public's been conditioned for
1: so long that this is now, this is an yeah. amazing era for them. Yeah. They haven't taken into account, we're the rich guys. Yeah we're the guys with all the money in England like because of the premier league yeah, the money yeah. is all here yeah we yeah. should be the favorites for everything based on that
0: yeah yeah i agree um, I, one, one thing that i think might cause change is like guardiola hopefully he stays at city for as long as possible because what i've heard is their academy have players all the way down who play like the, the man city way everywhere he's been um, so when he was in Spain, they
1: Spain won everything. Yeah. When he was in Germany, Germany won the World Cup. Had a really good period. I know England haven't won anything, but like you said, results wise, this is England's best period. Yeah. And attacking players wise, it's our, it's the best I've ever seen by a mile.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So like, all right, well with like Guardiola, let's say that um, he. Has to depend on the academy because let's say like Brexit now means that they can't bring in foreign players until 18 and it's a lot harder to bring those in. And then maybe, like, what are the rules now with like the Premier is that League? Happening? Yeah, yeah, no, why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like what the Premier League are trying to really argue against That's it. Gonna be a test. What you're finding is a lot of the Cat One
2: academies are now buying from the Cat Threes, like taking the best players. They've always done that. Yeah, but
0: it's happening more and more. Like because because ages. Yeah, at older, older ages. ages because yeah, because they
2: can't go out and, and buy oh, foreign players. Yeah,
0: clubs would just go and just, yeah, they would take them at 16, and, you know, a, a player that, that you would get. To the level of like, all right, we um, get to the 16s and we made it this far. But then suddenly some players from across Europe would suddenly come into the group. (laughs) And then you're like, oh, my God, I was the best in England. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah." And then that would then change. Uh, But now, like English players are being looked after a bit more, you know, they're lucky now that they don't have that competition in in their eyes. So they've got that sort of few years to get through. But then with the Premier League, what are the rules in terms of having to have a certain number of English players in your squad on a on a match day.
1: Yeah, I don't know the numbers, but no not on a match day, it's within your named Premier League squad, I think.
0: Right. So that's not good because I was thinking that if almost the structure and the rules forced someone like Guardiola or Klopp to have to depend on English players, then they're going to go and start hammering the coaches to and saying you make them, sorry, gone.
1: Guardiola has done everything he could to work with as many English players. There's a lot of English players that start for city. You could argue Sterling, Foden, Greer she's just paid a hundred million for, he was in for Kane as well. Uh, Stones, Walker, um, a seven within like what you would say is either the best or the second best team in the world at the moment. So it's not like he's, he's not using English players. He really, he wants to, and he does. Um, yeah. They're, they're, they're a good example of, English players, but again, you don't have any real control in English players. The one thing I say is, if Guardiola was managing the England team, what do you think would be his central midfield? It wouldn't be Rice and Phillips. Neither of those two would get anywhere near the team, I don't think.
0: What Try and predict an English team that Guardiola might pick. Who so would be his goalkeeper? You don't have a controller. But hang on, who would be the goalkeeper that he would pick? That is tough at the moment, isn't it? Does Pope play with his feet? No. no. Really? Probably Ramsdale, but he's had a shaky period, but... It would be Ramsdale. Yeah. But you know what? I don't like the way that Ramsdale plays with feet either. Yeah, but you've got to I pick someone. Yeah. I, fair, no, fair enough. No, no, no I know. It's, 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 it's the, the best, worst of the three, but, but again, yeah. but like, you know what? Let's let's root it back again to problems with English academies because like, there you go. There's a goalies who are so important to start the attack, start the move. They have to be like so intelligent, but then... And, and obviously technical with their feet. They they should be playing out at a younger age.
1: They should be playing outfield. They shouldn't be just in goal. Okay. I think like, there's no way Edison wasn't playing on pitch at all when he was like and 10, 11, 12. Yeah, Allison the same. Like I'm sure they must have played a fair amount, maybe futsal or whatever, out on pitch up until a fairly late age compared to what happens here.
0: So hard for sorry we're sticking kind of on goalies right now, but I think it's good for like the whole topic yeah. but like poor the poor goalies they've got to be so technically good with their hands, so good with their feet they've got more to learn than like other players, yeah, I
1: think there'll be some allowances well there are already like there'll be some allowances for like shot stopping and handling and stuff like that as a trade off for being better with your feet, reading the game better and sweeping that that will be a trade off look at the Gea the Gea's probably still. The best shot stopper in the world, or close to, but he's a mile off Allison and Edison now. Like you you can't Allison and Edison are extra players, so you always have an extra player in possession. But with De Gea, if you can force it back to him and run towards him at a like decent, decent speed, he's gonna give you the ball back pretty much all the time. So that really limits like your team in this day and age when everyone's trying to play out.
0: All right, so you've picked Ramsdale in goal. Right back. Trent. Oh, hang on, wait. Are you going to do a back five like Southgate? No. Would, would Guardiola do a five? No, of course he wouldn't. He's never done a five in his life. He's Four. Pep. Uh, sorry, Pep. Trent, right okay.
2: back. Trent, yeah.
1: Gomez and Stones, two centre-backs. Left back.
0: Chilwell's good.
1: Saka. Saka for me.
0: So, so Guardiola would pick Saka, do you think?
1: I think so, yeah. Look, Cancelo's a winger um six you'd have to convert someone Bellingham maybe you lose a lot of what he's really good at but you'd have to convert someone like he he wouldn't be playing Declan Rice Calvin Phillips or or Henderson even I love Henderson but he wouldn't be playing in a Pep team I don't think I can't see it
0: because uh, they would just keep losing the ball under pressure yeah
1: yeah uh that position's tough. Like, you haven't got one. You literally haven't got one that I would say Pep would be comfortable playing in there.
0: Could Mount convert?
1: Could Foden convert? Foden could, but I think that's too much of a waste. He's so good. I would play, play him as an eight. Okay. Probably Foden and Mount. So you've got Bellingham as your
0: six, and then what you've Foden then got... Foden and Mount. Okay.
1: This is going to sound really stupid. and Like, no, to people that only think about the game from... from the cliches and everything that they hear on tv it sounds stupid You just got three attacking midfielders in there but what would pep realistically do like that's what i'm saying i'm not saying this is the team i pick it probably wouldn't be far off but trying to think what he would do with this current crop of english players he would demand that this team dominates possession against even when they play spain how are you going to do that you can't do it with the guys that are playing there at the moment so like mount and foden can definitely play as eights like do you like mount Mount, yeah, I think is a little bit more hype than, than probably should be because he's got um, a lot of the attributes that English people kind of like, like his work rate and he's quite he's is quite he, unassuming, he, his attitude and stuff like that. Is he a
2: possession-based player, or is he more transition?
1: I think he can. He's good enough to do to to do either. I think he's good enough. Yeah. Foden, he's already played Foden at eight at times. Foden is an eight, but the reason he's not playing there is because they have De Bruyne and Bernardo there at the moment. Long term, he will be an eight for sure, I think. Uh, uh, and then up front, doesn't really matter, does it? You've got loads of good players up front. Sancho, Kane, Sterling maybe.
0: That's fascinating to hear that.
1: I'd win the World Cup. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh. I think there might be some people listening to that or watching that and just going like, "What the hell?" Yeah, they they would get overwhelmed. There's no defensive players in there. It's Saka at
1: left back. It's mad to me because defend, defending is about structure, not not about like whether that person. There are duels. Don't get me wrong. Like you do have to win duels from time to time, but they're so so not nowhere near as frequent as like people would have you
0: believe in England. In the car on the way here, you said that players are not defending 1v1 as much anymore.
1: Oh, every good team, not even good teams, if you watch any team in the Prem, every defence is about creating like a 2v1 in your favour or, or stopping passes, getting to the player who's going to go in 1v1. There's, there's a lot less 1v1s. 1v1s come about mostly in, in transition now like when the team can't recover their shape. If you're in shape, you're not leaving a, pl- a player who can dribble 1v1. It doesn't happen.
0: So do you think kids don't need to really learn how to defend 1v1 anymore? No, no, they do. Okay. Because there will always be 1v1s. Transition, uh,
1: people will start to take them in different areas of the pitch. So if you, let's say, uh, you've got Mo Salah playing really well and you you try to double up on him really early, that leaves a space somewhere else where someone is going to be in a 1v1 situation. So if he doesn't have to be able to beat me 1v1 for me to have to be able to defend it. So you have to be able to defend it. So that like 1v1 is not going to die. Like it has to, it's such an important part of of football. It's how you, you you break a line with a pass or a dribble. Mm. They're the only two ways you break a line and it will always be that. Well, how do you? Get, what's the
2: point of running? Oh, that's Not, what. That's what. Hold on. Gets, That's what gets. What's the point what of running taught? if you don't get the ball? I know, but that's what gets taught in the, <laughs> in the syllabus. Doesn't no, it? I mean like, no. but you have to receive a pass. Yeah, so yeah it's
1: okay. still a pass that breaks a line. Yeah. No, you do have to move off the yeah. ball. But yeah, it, it's either a pass or a dribble that breaks that line. Yeah, and yeah, you, you the the, every because everywhere is going to get better at dribbling. So even the sixes are going to be less like Jorginho in 10 years and more like Thiago where they can dribble 1v1, you're going to have to defend 1v1 as well. There will always be 1v1s, but they're going to be less and less with the wingers. So England, for example, are trying to produce all these wingers that are really good 1v1, which is great, mm. but they're going to, there's going to be a tension from the other team. The other team's not going to say, oh, you've got a good 1v1 player over there. We'll let him have a 1v1. They're going to make allowances for that and any time a good winger gets the ball and you're in shape, it's a double up. Like you played as a six for me
2: in, yeah. in non-league. And I'd ne- never played there before. Yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I thought he was a 10, but I put him as a six. And it, he's got unbelievable energy. And I asked him to, we were playing against uh, two really quick and good wingers. I asked him to go and help both fullbacks whenever they got the ball. If we left... The fullback's 1v1, and yeah, some all right players or whatever at fullback, but you're gonna, you don't need to win 100% of the, you don't need to lose 100% of 1v1s as the defender for it to be, for it to cost you.
0: Mm.
1: Like, if you lose five of those 1v1s, that's terrible. Mm. That's only half. So yeah, you wanna, you wanna avoid 1v1s.
0: So like, if you had a kid, Rob, you don't have any children at the moment, do you? <laughs> you know about <laughs> um, um Would you, could you make them a footballer?
1: You listen. <laughs> talent is a thing. Uh talent is a thing for sure. Like speaking from my own experience, I had the natural things with the ball. I'm not saying no one coached me at all,
0: but it was very natural. So but, but but hang on, hang on. Oh, well, I mean, this Sean, is the whole conversation. Sean will, Sean yeah. will disagree you with could, this You point. could go through and Nature versus at, nurture. Yeah, well, like you'll, you'll go through and look at your history growing up. There was a, a sort of... You go back in time and you could follow your upbringing. There'd probably be loads of environment and circumstance that made you the person that you are, the player that you became.
1: So you're telling me you don't believe in inherent talent like that?
0: I believe in um, like physical um, ceiling. Yeah, there's obviously a certain amount that happens with like genetics um, and there might have been, I don't know, like, certain, yeah, more predominant fast twitch fibers and less and you know, that kind of thing. But no, everything else is all, no, it's all environment and circumstance. Uh,
1: look, I haven't got,
0: I'm not going to argue that too too much.
1: You've probably thought about that a little bit more than me, but... <sighs> I just think it's really difficult to say you can make anyone a footballer. I think uh, you can you can do loads of things, loads of things to help
0: them. Think think of the advantage that let's let's say you have a you know, your future child. Right? Oh,
1: if I had a kid, compared to if uh, someone who's never kicked a ball or never thought about a game had a kid, my kid would have a lot more chance.
0: If you if exactly your if you showed willingness to want to support them, make the game fun for them, and and you wanted to commit to showing them a lot, exactly your child is going to have more of an advantage than someone else. Like I've always said, like if I had a kid and I wasn't just training them myself, if I'd want to take them to like one to one coach, like I would say like yourselves, um, ISA as well. Um, I think you guys can have knowledge. I need to and watch you, that episode. It's really good, yeah. Um, but like, yeah, you guys can teach things that I I couldn't teach. Just just in terms of like just pure like the understanding, but also just pure technique as well. Like when we threw five aside, and I remember there were times where you'd you'd literally say that the way the defender would run to you, you could tell that a skill was going to work just based on his stance.
1: Yeah, body shape and stuff like that. Um like Yeah, I like I don't think about those things as much actually at the moment. I'm more think about tactics from the whole team. So because I've probably come away from coaching the youngest kids at the moment. Everything I've been focused on the last few years has probably been more from a team perspective. Yeah. But yeah, going back to when I used to do more one-to-one stuff and more ball manipulation stuff. Um, yeah, like obviously the way a defender approaches you, you can do certain things to, to, to unbalance them. So if, if uh, they approach, they approach trying to press my right foot, for example, uh, I need to take the ball that way more to give myself more space to then get back onto my right foot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't immediately get right if he's really trying to block that properly little things like that i think you're talking about now.
0: um i think it was that you know that classic rob skill of <laughs> like rolling across his body um oh right yeah 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 yeah, yeah it just always works
1: yeah so when their momentum's coming across
0: you yeah, yeah i think yeah, so. yeah i think so yeah, yeah. yeah you, yes yeah.
1: yeah, second second yeah. nature really like you know they're coming across too fast to stop or to adjust to you getting back across the other way yeah
0: But like, yeah, if you can get, I mean, I think like you've done it, Marcelo, with sending that video the other day of like Mason singing a Chelsea song (laughs) that you're really happy about. But Mason loves football. And at age three, that's almost like job done at that stage. Like make them obsessed with football, make them love it. And so like, you know, and and like, you know, spend a certain amount of time, like, you know, kicking the ball back and forward, give them the uh, foundation of like movement as well. Remember, because we were on that sprint, sprint course the other day. Yeah, um, But something like that would have helped me
1: a lot if if there were, when I was growing up, yeah, if I'd have had any kind of coach focusing on the way I run and stuff like that, that would have helped me massively because I run awfully, as you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so like, let's say that you've got a, let's say you've got a six-year-old. Um, what would be the program that, and you want them to be a footballer, um, I know that you might not want them to be a footballer, but let's pretend that you do. Um, yeah, what would be the programme that you'd put for your six-year-olds?
1: Uh, I think there'd have to be some some athletics training, uh, unless he was really natural at that and he, he didn't need it. But I think like running
0: style is really important. We're going to assume you've had a boy. Yeah. <laughs> okay fine no you just you just said if he's had this sorry (laughs) you're just like yeah i'm gonna have a boy um (laughs) well the girl the girls start academies at like under 12s so it is like later for them so like parents have to do a lot more like of the programming themselves and because they can't rely on academies unfortunately um but yeah like so let's say boys are signing under eights So you've got... Well, let's talk generally. I I didn't mean to separate. No, no, no. But but
1: yeah, what what you'd want them to have is probably a little bit of um, sprint coaching maybe, uh, which I wish I'd had. Uh, A load of ball manipulation and technical stuff. But also like, I think small group sessions with someone like a Marcelo or something who kind of understands understands, uh, the game from a bit more of a... A holistic perspective rather than just an individual thing which is I think what a lot of academy coaches even how they view the game is a, is way more individualistic than I think than he thinks about the game for example or I do that's not to we've just had a different background in football but that's not to say not to say ours is better but I have tried both ways yeah I have been an individual player and then I have learned to try and use my individual qualities within a a more of a strict team structure. And one is like way more, way better than the other. Like having a structure in your team is, is so much more sustainable to, to actually being good than, than just putting a load of individuals on the pitch that are good, Mm. that are talented. Sorry, not good.
0: The first fail—it depends on like where the player is in their journey. Because I'm thinking about some players who are like maybe like ten or eleven, and they're they're struggling with their football. So they do need a lot of like individual work, of course. That, but if they're struggling at ten or eleven relative to what
1: what where they think they should be, they probably started late, no?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: So it's still it's a relevant kind of what age, because they could start at any age, couldn't they? Uh, it, obviously, the vast majority of kids that are going to progress to professional football will start at very the youngest imaginable age at the moment now, wouldn't they? Because you just get, there's so much value in the more practice you do with something. There's so much value in it.
2: Let's say just going back. So let's say you do have the six-year-old, and you've put this program in place, and he's he's talented, and he's been asked to go and train at a few academies during the week. Would you limit it just because you you're wary of what's being taught or what's what he's learning?
1: No, no. Okay. I don't. I don't think there's anything harmful being taught at academies. I just don't think there's enough being taught. Like there's there's not enough. Um, thought about decision making for the kids. I'm not saying from from six or seven, but
2: at the same time, don't leave it until they're twelve, thirteen. I'm sure we we um, we read in the I think it was the Real Madrid syllabus, wasn't it, where game understanding and tactics was implemented a, a a lot earlier than like in you England? see. You yeah. see viral videos
1: of like teams passing out under eights or whatever teams passing out and scoring amazing like
0: team goals. Yeah.
1: That doesn't just happen by accident. No. It's impossible
0: no yeah I think like I've I've given it a lot of thought of like the program that you'd have at let's say year two year one and it would be yeah hopefully the kid is good enough that they can go to a development center and if we're in London like a, a Chelsea Fulham or I think I think two probably is enough like if if I was doing it two academies yeah Two, two academies. Two developments, I know, sorry. Because you wanna you wanna be able to build connections and like show that you're committed and like they can depend on you and like depend on that kid. And so you keep turning up to those um to show your face and keep getting invited into the like the half term festivals that they have for all like the best players. The friendlies in the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you stop going training for like a period of time, let's say you were gonna just you felt you could do better training on your own and you didn't bring them to that development centre.
1: Yeah, I don't think there's any reason for that because also, interact. to drive? <laughs> interacting with other kids though is really yeah. important. Uh, also, the level that they'll be up against uh, at a development centre will be a lot more valuable to them than the level that they'll play against at a local like a like a, let's say a we make footballers camp, um, session on a Saturday is mixed abilities, all abilities welcome but then the top kids they they're not going to be challenged by everyone in that session you're going to you're going to always match them up against as much as you can against a kid that you match them older yeah so they yeah. are challenged and as much as possible you're going to you're going to get them to be challenged but obviously for a reason the development center is a higher standard than
0: the average like local sort of selected players local
1: um coaching
0: yeah and the coaches are good like you know yeah i know i know we've given it a fair amount of criticism but those development centers that you know they have like these passionate coaches that are so good with the kids um and they've they are giving good technical information generally
1: the direction of um the academies is not the fault of the coaches And, and to say the fault like sounds like i'm i'm hammering the direction the direction is a lot better than it was as we've said but it might not even be aligned with uh, what that that coach actually believes, what his philosophy is on football. Like if Marcelo did a session at Tottenham or you did a session at Chelsea or whatever, uh, you would probably have to work within some kind of structure where at some point it would conflict with what you believe is best. So it's not like anything we're saying is not against the individual coach. Yeah, It's kind of against the direction of the academies a little bit.
0: Let's say the schedule of those two clubs was like on a Monday and a Wednesday, the Tuesday day, I think I would probably spend like two hours just doing stuff in the garden myself because I'd know like what to give. But if the parent wasn't capable of that, then they should find a strong like one to one coach to like do work because I think like individual technical practice and like movement practice and stuff, yeah. shooting, all, all these fundamentals, they need like a good few hours of time on. Um, and then maybe then like the Thursday the, yeah, some sort of movement session, I think like you described, yeah. I think that needs to be in the week somehow. Um, sorry, what age are we talking about? I guess this is a six, six year, year old. Six year old yeah. And then what, what do you think on rest days or doing like other sports? Yeah, why not? Swimming and, yeah, I'm so not against it, I'm for it. So Friday might be a swimming day and then a little bit of light practice in the garden or the park, and then Saturday, maybe they're at that age, you'd, you'd bring them, yeah, like they'd be... They'd, they'd be... all
1: be going to some kind of football training in the morning, wouldn't they, at that age? Yeah, yeah, yeah either
0: like it's you take grassroots or... Yeah. Take them like, we met footballers, that would be good. Um, then Sunday match. And then Sunday, yeah, Sunday would be teamwork. Sunday, it would be like their little team that you start putting them into. And I'd probably think I'd be the coach. I mean, would you be your kid's yeah, coach? I'd, I'd
1: definitely be that control freak.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but then for a parent that hasn't, um, you know, isn't necessarily like a football coach themselves, then, yeah, they've got to go and source out a, a good coach. Um, but chances are, because we were on the way on the car on the way here. Huh?
1: It's difficult. It's uh, difficult like let's say non-league level it's difficult to find i know it's relative but it's difficult to find good coaches in england basically especially grassroots where they're not necessarily being paid or whatever it is difficult you got you got be i'd i'd be really careful with who I allowed my kid to be coached by even if it was a grassroots team and it was a, a friend's parent coaching or whatever I'd still be wary of it
0: because it programs the mind. Like, if you, if you give the wrong programming, someone else has got to undo that. Yeah. I say the same thing as well. Yeah, it's actually like more harmful. Yeah. You're better off just, like, letting the kid go and play in the cage.
1: Yeah, rather than shout something which is going to, like, hinder his development. Like, a, a coach that doesn't know what he's what he's really doing and he's yeah. just focused on maybe winning that game or something. Yeah that is way more harmful than does way more harm than good
0: yeah yeah for sure yeah. for sure um bringing it all the way back again futsal so uh yeah we've had parents that would say to us oh i need to get my kid into futsal and like, i've just described like the week and i haven't included futsal in that for a 6 year old uh, but it's to, it's not to say that they wouldn't do like indoor football training because there yeah, that we meet footballer session on a saturday there'd be indoor football there um but it's like ball familiarity that that can be developed indoors and indoor session.
1: Football and football are the same thing when you're six
0: years old. Exactly,
1: It's the same thing. It's not, there's no difference.
0: I thought that.
2: Yeah. It's at the, when you a little bit in the older age groups, when it starts to become more of a team thing and how to, yeah, how to move. And, and that's when it becomes more. sale.
1: I would say when it's solely individual, yeah, They're pretty similar. The exception is, obviously, the speed of the game and the spaces, maybe. Maybe the speed might be quicker and the spaces might be smaller in futsal than if you're playing on a fiver side. I think under six, they're fiver side, so they have slightly more space. The ball definitely moves slower on the grass, for example. But apart from that, there's not many differences in how the game will actually look. mm It's just when they get, when they start getting older and passing becomes more of a key component, which it isn't in under sixes or under sevens. When it does become a key component, then you'll see a bit more difference in the game.
0: Mm. Because, like, I liked what you said earlier as well about, um, you actually said it in the car, but about the rotations that are happening in defence. Yeah. In the way that you see the game going.
1: Yeah, I think. I was telling you, um, I was doing a old eyes tournament for Yuri. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Zane, Zane, one of the players was Zane. His, his dad is obviously yeah. at, at Chelsea, Andy Myers. Yeah. And he definitely won't remember. But I said to him, like defenses are going to start rotating because this is the era when pressing had really started to become um, like a big buzzword, basically, and really important. And I said to him, like, because of my what I'd experienced in futsal, Pressing, there needs to be a solution to it, and the solution is not the defenders stand still, and you're going to have to rotate to get out of it. And teams do do that. Like Stuttgart started doing it in Bundesliga two, really like it was like watching futsal on a massive in a massive area yeah. basically for them to beat press. Um, like last night, if you watched Liverpool against Villarreal in the Champions League, um, they pressed amazingly, and every pundit I watched. It's like, what can you do against that? What can you do? Like Michael Owen, who hasn't got a clue. (laughs) Michael Owen, he was like, I'd just tell my my players to just get rid of it, which is better than kind of trying to play out without movement against that Liverpool press. But really what's going to happen is more teams are going to incorporate what Liverpool are doing to the level that Liverpool are doing it. It's going to become normalised. Like what, when I said Swansea were the only team passing out of defence 10 years ago. Everyone's going to be doing what Liverpool are doing in five, ten years maybe. So there's going to need to be an answer for that and the answer, I guarantee you, is not going to be we're going to whack it in the channels and and hope Van Dijk doesn't win the header. That's not going to be the answer. The answer is going to have to be about your movement. It's going to have to be better in the deeper areas. So I said this ages ago that defences are going to have to start rotating and they have, but it's going to become so much more prevalent in five, ten years. Like The patterns that are going to happen in defense are going to be taken from sports sports like futsal and sports like basketball where there's a where it's really heavily dependent on on your movement without the ball like it is going to happen I'm pretty sure of that
0: that the scouting structure has to link to that I don't think at like bottom level because it takes 15 years to produce a footballer but like the the scouts that we've got right now are just trained on like going out there and looking for like good athletes. That's like what we're taught to do. And then, yeah. Are they comfortable on a ball? And, and then, you know, yeah, that's, that's your stuff. But that in the academy programs, yeah, we're not, yeah. I don't think that this futsal is coming into academies a bit, isn't it? It's, it's, it's no, but, yeah. but, but it's not just futsal. I know you you're talking about futsal
1: because I'm here and I'm, heavily linked to it but it's just an invasion game and you need to find solutions for what's happening and the pressing is has got to an amazing level at top level yes and it's filtering down very slowly but this is this will always happen It, it the game evolves so the evolution is now that the teams are going to look at Liverpool wow they're having success I want that success this is how I get it I learned to press like Liverpool. So you're going to get a load of Liverpool lights. And then eventually everyone's going to be able to do that to a really good level. Like in 10 years, let's say, let's use 10 years. As a... But the best teams are not going to be the ones that can press like everyone else does it. They're going to be the ones that can solve that puzzle. And how are you going to do that? Like, like I said, it's not going to be, I'm just getting rid of the ball because I'm scared, which is what Michael Owen basically said last night. Like not basically, he he exactly <laughs> said that we don't want to lose the ball here. So I'm getting rid of it up there if I'm the manager, and that's that's not sustainable. And the the solution is going to be you need better movement patterns in the deeper area to break the pressure. And yeah, it's it's going to happen. Mm,
2: you heard it here yeah. first.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nah, like I think it's been like an incredible episode. This one, like, I've really really enjoyed like hearing from you, Rob, um, in such detail because. Yeah, we haven't we haven't talked like this for a long long time. Like, you know, yeah. we haven't like yeah. And obviously, art. like my
1: uh, opinions changed like when I haven't. Sp- ever like the way I see the game evolves, the way you see the, the way you see it evolves based on what you're seeing in front of you. Like football has evolved probably since we spoke last about it to to a decent level. And yeah, it changes how I look at it. Yeah.
2: But, yeah thank you, Rob. Thank you for coming in. Guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Which brilliant! Yeah, and um, yeah, maybe like in six months we'll do another one when footballs evolved again. (laughs) Give (laughs) it ten years. You you can give us not getting up this early again.
1: (laughs)